Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the Con Man's Answers Show, episode number 94. Today, we got Matthias Morte on the show. Matthias Morte is a content creator, TikToker, and musician from the East Coast. We have a fascinating conversation ranging from Marxism to racist Super Bowl commercials. Don't miss out. Take a listen. Uh, my name is Matthias Boyer, but I go by Matthias Morte online. I make uh, like short form music education content or any sort of media. Like it's, uh, I just like to create stuff and post it online pretty much. Yeah, dude, that's how I found you. I found you on TikTok. Uh, I think I found you specifically through your like, have you heard of this song? And then uh, you, you, a lot of the times you show a sample to it uh, or what someone didn't know it was sampled by. How did you get into doing those type of videos? How did you get into creating content on TikTok? Was it an accident? Was it structured? How did you get into that? So I actually, I started posting on TikTok pretty much the same as everyone else, which is when we were all like in quarantine and lockdown. But honestly, I, I would just post like garbage at that point, like just random crap. Um, but I've always been into like VFX and editing and, and just like content creation in general. So I started making these videos where I would like edit myself in with like other famous people, like honestly, just like stupid crap, but people tended to like it. So I kind of built a very small fan base through that. Um, but obviously my real passion is in music. Um, I went to music school, like I've studied music my whole life. Um, and I don't know, I just made a video once where I wanted to talk about a music thing that I knew that, that interests me and it blew up. And I was like, I would so much prefer to do this, to like use the knowledge that I've gained over the years to talk about music stuff, than make these stupid VFX videos. So like I kind of shifted over and it's been great. The reception has been awesome since then. No, that's awesome. And I've talked to a good amount of people who now on crazily enough, but who have like found a following doing something they love on TikTok. And what, what interests me so much about TikTok is it's no, it, it doesn't have a specific content. Um, like to an extent Vine, it was like the six seconds, but it was like, it had comedy it was like the number one thing. Right. And then all the other platforms like Twitter's kind of shifted into this like political sphere, but TikTok, you can find a niche in anything, right? And you can build a fan base around literally anything. I've talked to somebody who is, who communicates um, science. He's a science communicator, but he does it through hip hop. Uh, I've talked to a bunch of like other scientists, virologists. I've talked to um, a couple of people who do like uh, just goofy stuff on TikTok and then you with your music thing. And it's really cool because it's such, it's such a different platform because it doesn't, you don't have to be a content creator. You don't have to be an influencer. You can just be literally someone interested in something and then create an insane following. 100%, 100%. I mean, that, I think you hit the nail on the head. The, the coolest thing with TikTok, in my opinion, is that everyone's got an equal shot of being viewed by like a ridiculous number of people. And so the fact is, is that if you're like really putting your all into the content you want to make, you will reach an audience that will appreciate it. Um, and I just there's something cool about it. it, it being fair, I guess everyone has a fair shot to make anything they want and get an audience for it, which is not true of YouTube, which is not true of Instagram or, or anywhere else, because people have to know you to, to continue to watch you, you know what I mean? But not on TikTok, you can see a new creator every single day. Mm -hmm. which I yeah, and I mean, to an extent now I was talking to uh, this guy, Logan Lyle, a couple, like a week ago, and we were talking about how Instagram and all these other platforms are competing with TikTok now with reels and with shorts. And the crazy thing about me is like, so I, 
I'll just give you some background on myself. I started this show during quarantine, but it was an accident. I love making music just like you, but I don't like have a passion to be a musician. I just like doing it because it like, it feeds that creative sense or side of me that you can't really get out without creating like something like extremely creative, like painting or music. And so music was kind of like my outlet. And so I started this and then it's kind of just, you know, taken on a mind of its own. Now I get to talk to all these insane amount of people and I was building like a small following. Right. And then TikTok wasn't really like, like favoring me, but then I started posting a lot more on Instagram reels and especially YouTube shorts. And that's where it like took off for me. And so it's wild that like now because of the influence of TikTok, there's other platforms creating the exact same type of thing to help other people out in their specific niches to where you don't even need to be on one platform. And if you're on two and you're getting big on two, like, Oh my God, just watch the numbers skyrocket. Totally. Totally. I mean, that, that's a super fair point, right? Like YouTube as a platform for a long time had a very specific model to how to like grow a fan base and become big. And at some point, like people like me and, and I, I have a YouTube channel and I would like post on there, but it was never anything special. I was like, at some point, just like, it's not going to work for me. I'm not going to be able to be one of those 100,000 subscriber YouTube channels. But then I got that outlet on TikTok. But then you're right, YouTube turns right around and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you might still be able to make it on YouTube. We're just going to have to adjust kind of the, the functionality of our platform. And, and YouTube Shorts did exactly that. Um, yeah. But- and, and, and the like YouTube Shorts are weird too, because it's like, it's, it's like short form content that it teases long form content. Like that's the way I kind of look at it. Like Instagram's like, I feel like Instagram reels are like all over the board. Instagram reels could literally be anything. And a lot of the times it's just videos of people doing dumb shit, you know, like, or something you saw on TikTok, just posted on Instagram. TikTok is like, all right, you're going to post just short form content. And usually you build a fan base around it. And then it's that Instagram's like, all right, you're still going to have your own specific, sorry, my light fell. Um, you're going to have your specific uh, like pictures with your buddies, weddings, things like, you know, things that you do within your life. And then, but also some short form content and YouTube's like, all right, you're going to have the short form content, but it's just going to be kind of a tease for what your long form content should be. So like for me, I post a clip of, 30 seconds of me saying some stupid shit. People start arguing in the comments and then they click my episode and then they watch the full context, right? Like that's the way I usually do it. Um, and I see that through a lot of different people. You, I, I mean, Joe Rogan, I don't think has a YouTube shorts, but like everything on there is like Rogan um, or comedians that are teasing some form of long form content. And I think it gets back to this idea that we're kind of shifting away from this long form digestion. But if you still want that, if you want to watch a documentary, if you want to watch an entire podcast, you have the ability to be teased by short form content so that you can be with this long form. Right. And I mean, that, that's one of the, I think the best things about short form content is that you don't have to have the attention span for just one topic. You can scroll and scroll and scroll and watch a bunch of six second things. But if, you know, something, if six seconds from your podcast kind of piques my interest, I know that there's more behind it as far as YouTube shorts is concerned. So that's true. Cause I, I mean, I feel like a couple of years ago, the, the optimal length of like a video people wanted to watch was like 10 minutes. And that's just like not really the case anymore, I guess. Like, what do you think about that? 
Yeah, no. I think people's attention spans are so low nowadays that they want to watch. You know, actually, I, I'm kind of torn because part of me wants to say people want to watch like just like short form highlights in a sense. But then you still have like, I still do this. Like if I want to watch the highlights of a game, like let's say a basketball game, um, I'll watch a full 20 minute video of the highlights, you know, and, and not have a problem with it. I think it's depending on the content. Cause you know, gaming is huge and that's more long form content than it is short form. Like nobody's really going on ninjas page to watch clips of him with these crazy kills. They want to watch a whole game. Right. So I think there's, it's, it depends on what the niche is. I think what 100% it is, is, TikTok, it feeds that ADD mindset because if you're on YouTube and you're watching a video and you watch a 10 to 15 minute video, maybe you'll watch one. But on TikTok, you can get caught watching 100 videos and be sitting there on hours because it feeds that ADD mindset of modern humans. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you're right, it's, it's, it's content based as well. I, I'll find myself watching like stupid, like, superhero movie Easter egg breakdown videos on YouTube and they'll be like 38 minutes long. But like, I might spend double that scrolling through TikTok. but in my head, I'm like, no, I'm just watching like 15 second videos, but I might do it for an hour straight. Mm -hmm. It's all the same amount of time investment. It's just the way you want to compartmentalize how much time you're spending on specific genres of content, I guess. Yeah. The, it's weird sometimes when I'm doing these podcasts. So I think I do them more so now for the conversations I get to have. I mean that the whole time it's like, it's a crazy experience. Cause it's not like most people don't sit down for an hour plus and just talk about whatever, you know, most people like, just like, like even with your friends, like, unless you're really like talking about something important, most of the time you're just shooting the shit. Right. And so I've always thought of myself as doing these, I get to talk to, like virologists, I get to talk to musicians, I get to talk to professional uh, sports players, I get to talk to everybody, right? And so for me, it was always like, all right, how do I get these awesome experiences that I get to have? How do I get the public to also be able to have them? And that form is like, start like you having this podcast and, and posting it. But now it's like, sometimes I find myself like, okay, what is the short foam content that I can get from this podcast that I already did so that the people that will want to watch it and they will want to have the ability to watch it can find this, be intrigued and then find it. So it's kind of this weird tug and pull where it's like, I get to do this awesome, like conversational build my mind thing while also having this situation where it's like, all right, you know, you're going to have to make short con short form content from this. Right. Right. Do you, do you feel that like at the end of a podcast episode, do you scrub back through and you're like, what's my golden eight seconds here? That's like going to hook someone like, is that how that works for you or, or, or not so? What? You, know, you know, I think that's a smart way of doing it. And I think people who do that uh, are successful. For me specifically, because this is like a bottom tier thing that I do. I do a lot of different shit, you know? So I, I graduating college this semester. Um, and right now I'm studying for the LSAT so I can go to law school. So that's Ooh. like number one priority. And then school on there. I just got done playing college football. So that was like a priority too. And, and, uh, and so there's a lot of other shit that I do that's like on the, like the form of my mind. So when I'm creating content like this, it's, it's like, it's a priority for me, 100%. But it's, um, 
it's like my like if I if I can only do LSAT stuff in the day or if I can only go to school, then I put it on the back burner. So with, with the way that I do it, I'll tease the way I do it. Um, I I post something, and then I usually remember what because usually the guest is my first like you know, priority of the episode. So I'll usually remember something that the guest specifically said that I thought was super interesting. And I'll try to go that. And not that I tease it. I usually find something to post to like promote the episode. Right. And then later the way that usually how my like clips blow up is I'll go back and I'll um, go to like my old episodes and I'll, and I'll literally randomly go to a random section in the episode and I'll listen to it for a little and be like, Oh, I remember this conversation. And then I'll remember where it went or where it didn't go. And I'll, I'll go to that specific section and I'll, and I'll take it and I'll make a little short form conversation out of it. And then I'll post that so that if they want to go back and watch older episodes, they have the ability to do that too. So I think it's like a tug and pull of old and new episodes for me specifically it's not really like finding the golden moment i think if i had like unlimited amounts of time out of my day if i had like an assistant or something i could easily do that and that would be 100 what i would do but i think that would take watching the episode again and really like thinking about strategically analytically what is the most important place to be right right 100 yeah and i mean it, i i'm sure that like even our conversation thus far has been very interesting. I'm sure that with all of your guests, it's not like, and eh, 90% was boring and 10% was cool. Like I'm sure you have a number of good moments to mm-hmm. use the episode. At least I'm just assuming. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to like, I don't want to sound like an arrogant asshole, but I say this, I cannot, deal with boringness like boredom like very well so when i'm talking i have to engage with my guest you know so i it's like fun for me as much as it's fun for the listeners like when i'm doing this i i have on the like on the back burner that i'm talking with people listening but the most important thing is having an engaging conversation with me and the other person and so sometimes like people just are not talkative and they just don't and you have to like really like like when you do podcasting for a while, like people don't understand like the creative element it is because it is an art form and like your brain works in a certain way that you try to like you direct a conversation and like how you flow and how you make things come out interesting. And with like people like you so easy because everything just flows back and forth. Right. And then you think of conversation. Uh, questions for the conversation as they come along but with a lot of people bro they're just so like maybe mundane or they're just so like quiet and so it's like a real hard it's a challenge for me and it's actually a, a fun to do it's a challenge to get the creative side out of them and get the talkative side out of them but sometimes it's like man like let's let's let's, let's roll the ball you know let's get in you should, sometimes it takes 30 minutes to get like a real in-depth philosophical conversation out of them yeah, I mean, I like, and I, I mean this with love because, like, I've got friends like this too. Super interesting, fun, enjoyable people, but don't necessarily know how to hold up their side of the interaction. Yeah. And it does feel, like you said, like a little bit like an art form where it's like, all right, I'm meeting with so and so today. We're going to have lunch. I'm going to have to be like on this the whole time because if I don't continue to facilitate this conversation, they might just, and then we're like that for like 10 minutes. And it's like, some people just don't necessarily know how to keep up their side. <laughs> no. Yeah. And so with those people, it's, it's almost like where, what question can you ask in such a way that gets them to open up? 
Because one of the coolest things that I've like, the, one of the biggest lessons I've learned from doing this is um, if you like sit down and like your number one priority is listening and engaging with someone, people are fascinating, dude. People have unlimited stories to tell. It's just, how do you get that out of them? You know, how do you get, especially the people we're talking about, how do you get these stories and these experiences that they've had and their, and their way of viewing the world? How do you get that out of them? And a lot of the times it starts with icebreaker conversations or talking about COVID or talking about um, shit going on in like Canada right now with the protesters or something that like everyone's kind of thinking about um, like a one right now I could ask you is like, what do you think about Ukraine and Putin right now? You know, like something like that where, it just kind of like shatters the ice and then it just feels like more comfortable and they feel like they can just interact with me instead of like feeling like they're talking to the world, you know? Right. Totally. Cause at, at the end of the day, this, this is a conversation between two people and I'm sure like lots of cool stuff comes out of all of like your podcast episodes, but it's not necessarily about whichever audience is going to consume this. Like at a very base level, it's like, I'm talking to you and you're talking to me and let's just like hang out for like an hour, right? No, that's exactly how I feel it. You know, to go back to something we touched on um, about like attention spans and, and how content is changing, do you think that like the need to be like an influencer and like the need to be a celebrity that social media makes you feel like, do you think that's like super dangerous for the generation that's coming up right now? I don't think it's great. <laughs> I mean, like it, I, I, I try to avoid the tendency to be like, you know, when I was a kid, blah, 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 because I think that can be really aggravating a lot of the time, especially to like younger kids. But the fact is, is that like, I remember when I was like first getting on Instagram when I was like 12 or 13, it was so important to me to get likes and to like post at the right time of day. And like, I craved that validation. And it took me way too long until I was like a grown ass man to be like, it just doesn't matter. Like, it really doesn't matter. And it's, it's hard to see like kids who are like now like 12 and 13 have to deal with an environment that's like twice as aggressive as what I dealt with, where it's like, they might get like really seriously distraught and anxious if they're not getting the proper attention that they think they deserve online. Um, and I mean, I can just speak from experience, like getting any sort of success or following online, you have to be crazy lucky. Like you have to put effort in like a hundred percent, but you also have to be crazy lucky. And so I think it's an unfair standard that's, that's placed out there right now that most people, most kids are going to get really disappointed by, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, how old are you? I'm 23. 23. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm about to turn 22. So we're about the same age. I remember in high school, you graduated in 2017 or 28, uh, 20, I graduated high school in 2016. 2016, okay. Um, yeah, I graduated in 2018. So um, I remember in high school, like even me, like, like I, I was like decently popular. I was not like, like I was like pretty ugly though, and I, I wouldn't say I'm like greatly attractive, but I was like pretty ugly, and I was like awkward. I was like really skinny, and I had like really bad acne, and my acne not that much better now. But I was like, you know, I was awkward, you know, and I'm I'm finally growing into who I am, and but. I remember like if I posted something that I thought was dope and my friends would get like, I don't know what was big back there, like 250 likes or something. And I would get like, if I got like 190 instead of like 250, I would feel distraught about myself. Um, 
And even at some level, I thought that was, I, I, I knew in the back of my mind when I was growing up that that was dangerous, right? I shouldn't want to feel like, feel like my peers feel like I shouldn't want to be needed by random people on the internet or people that I know on the internet. And so to that extent, it's even more like worse now because it's, it's not just like Instagram posting pictures of you playing football anymore. It's Instagram, TikTok, make content and be famous. And that is like, there's a tug and pull to everything. And I think when not only do you allow for like young kids who are insanely good at like Fortnite and stuff to become really famous and, and, and maybe make a living doing playing games. Um, but you also get this area where if girls see these hot girls, you know, cause girls, they can compare, compare themselves and guys do too. But like these young girls who are insecure, you're making them feel like if they're not these beautiful women who are just insanely popular with these TikTok dances and stuff, then they're just nothing. And that their life's going to be minuscule compared to them. Right. Right. It's, it's Im- impossible standards set on like a hundred different levels. Now, like we were saying, like when we were in high school, it was like, you know, maybe it was have like a, a great body or like, make it look like you're having an amazing time on Instagram all the time. Now it's like, like you said, now you have to also make sure that you're presenting yourself as funny and interesting and able to create good content, which is like insane to assume that everyone has to be able to produce something that other people want to watch online. It's not, it's not good enough to be like an interesting person in real life. You also have to present yourself as funny and interesting online for other people to consume and judge you, which is like, if you, if you think about it for too long, it's absolutely mind-boggling because I feel like we're very casual about it. You know, like, yeah, no, you just make content on TikTok and hopefully people like you. And it's like, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> no, it's really crazy. And the craziest thing about it is like politicians are making content. And you're like, bro, like this is like, like the, the link between po- politics and media is like so interchangeable in America now. It's insane. It's like you used to have to like watch the news in order to hear like what was going on but in this area of social media and covid like i swear every time i'm scrolling i see like dr fauci or something like that and i'm just like bro i'm just kicking it here like i'm just like literally on tiktok like i'm not trying to sit here and like deal with this 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 political age where everything is just so dogmatic and everything is like i hate you if you think vaccines are evil and it's like bro all right one of the no yeah go I was just going to say one, one of the things that's kind of crazy is like the, the, like you're saying the interchangeability, but also kind of the exploitation from a lot of like, whether it be politicians or even just like really large companies. When I see like, I don't know, like name a movie studio. If I see like Lionsgate or like Sony, like making fun of a, a, a creator on there on the app that like everyone else is making fun of. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, it's, it's cool if like some random person is like teasing another random person all in good fun, but you're like a multi-billion dollar company, like exploiting that person's like embarrassing moment. It's like, that's weird. That's really, really weird. Well, I've, I, I, so I study politics and I, ironically and philosophy um, here at undergrad and cause I want to go to law school and that's kind of like the two ways to go to law school. But uh, what I've learned is that 
there has always been this side of Hollywood where like it's always had progressive leanings. And so they, they kind of ostracized like Republicans quote unquote um, since like ever it's just now it's being fed through social media now. So now you see this ostracization or I don't even know if that's a word. They're ostracizing people for having a, just a semi different belief through social media. So like, it's so crazy. Cause it's like, yeah, maybe through the, like before through like Hollywood, people got blacklisted and things for different beliefs. Like um, in the 1950s during the cold war communists, quote unquote, American communists used to get blacklisted. And, but now it's like you see people who are deemed, I don't know, anti-vax, what's another, or, or they voted for Trump, or I don't know what a, another Republican belief is right now. But you see these people, like Chris Pratt, for example. Chris Pratt getting all this hate, even though he's a good man, and just because of he believes a little different. And, and it, like you said, the exploitation of large corporations, I think to an extent it's indoctrinating like younger people, but I think for a lot of people, especially our age, we're like, we're not, we're not feeling the bullshit. You know, we're seeing the linkage. We're seeing the exploitation. We're like, dude, fuck you guys. Like, let us just live our lives and be individuals. Right. No, a hundred percent. The, the, the first example I can think of, do you remember the, the, I don't know like how much you're on TikTok. Like, are you wasting as much time as I am on TikTok? Probably not. But you remember the, the couch, the couch boy, couch girl thing. Yes, I do remember that. There were like movie studios and, and stuff like posting videos with like captions about that. It's like, this girl might've just got like cheated on and <laughs> you guys are like taking that to like promote whatever movie you're working on. That's like, <laughs> that's not cool. I like, I'm laughing about it because I think it's insane that that's yeah. like the reality we live in. But yeah, you're right. I mean, sometimes we're on a lot of these apps just to like hang out and kind of oftentimes even forget what's going on in the world, I guess. And then when we're hit with like a lot of, um, I guess like aggressive reality or even just like public displays of exploitation, it's like, this is not, this is not why I want to be on here. I want to be here to have fun. And this is not, if I, if I wanted to consume this kind of media, I would go seek it out. And I do, I do. If I, when I want to be informed, but not when I'm just like scrolling on TikTok, you know? No. Yeah. And it's like, I always see that TikTok and you might have too, where it's like, why am I doing my homework when world war three is about to start? Right. Like everyone, like that's like the ex prime example of um, being hit with the harsh reality. Um, yeah. It's hard not to, you know, look out in the world and seeing everything that's going on and just absolutely like lose your mind. And so I think that's like part of what so the out of social media is. And to an extent, the metaverse now that's becoming a thing is like, it's, it's a escape from reality. I don't know if you've ever done any of those virtual reality things. I haven't, but I, I am fascinated by the concept. I think because I haven't done them, it, it fascinates me. Have you? Yeah. So when they were like real, I was in high school still. So they were like really, um, it was like right after you graduated. I think it was like 2017, 2018 is when I did it. And I did like this, like you put on a whole set and one of them was like, you were like a stormtrooper, and you like, or maybe you were a rebel and you're like fighting Darth Vader and stuff. It was cool. That one was dope. And then the other one I did was like a demon thing. And it was like, it was a haunted place and you're like walking around and that shit was freaky. Um, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, it's, it's cool. And it, it, I was doing like demo beta versions and like, it was still cool. And so like, if it's like indistinguishable from reality, like I understand the pull because 
I always say this to an extent we already live online. You right. know, when your phone's dead or your phone's broke, God forbid your phone's broken, dude. It's like it you know you know what it feels like? It feels like you're detached from reality for a second. It feels like you're like it honestly kind of feels freeing in a sense. You feel like Oh, I don't got to worry about like just everything, like the whole world. And you feel like more in touch. And, and to an extent, that's why people work out. And that's why people like do things like yoga is to like center themselves and meditate, center themselves in a place where they're one with the universe at that time. And so I, I understand the grab, but I also understand the dangers to it. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I live in a, a part of the U S where we get like a lot of like hurricanes and snowstorms and stuff. We just had one, like, a couple weeks ago and just like that like all of our electricity power was out and we none of us could charge our phones and it for a moment it's like suffocating almost you're like i am so isolated but then it's like you know i'm like in my house with my family and like we'll all like play a board game or something like that's cool and you're right you get you feel a little free for a moment you're like i don't i don't have to scroll i i don't have to like immerse myself into like a, a virtual world to see what everyone else is up to. Cause I know we're all just trapped inside. None of us are doing anything interesting. And then you get to kind of enjoy the people around you. Like it makes me feel old. I feel so old when I'm like, uh, you feel so much better when you put your phone down, especially cause I'm a huge hypocrite because I literally make content on their phones. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of COVID. Like I, when I was, when I got quarantined with my family which was cool. Um, I don't know if you did too. And my, like my sister was back and my sister like lived in California for a long time. And so I'm from Vegas. So I go to school in Oregon, but I'm from Vegas. So my family's down there and it was just like me, my girlfriend would come over and then my family, we, I got so fat, dude. We literally just ate and drank and played games like the whole time. And like, it was like, I look back on it and I was pissed off because the world was shut down. Right. But like, I look back at like quarantine as like a great experience with my family, you know? I kind of romanticize it too. That was like, oh, what, what did we play? Because I was home with my, my brother and my sister and my younger brother as well. Oh, we got into Minecraft. I had never played Minecraft my whole life. And we were like, you know what? Let's, let's play Minecraft. And I straight up, I'd wake up. It didn't matter what day of the week it was because every single day was exactly the same. So I'd wake up on whatever day. And I would just play Minecraft for like nine hours and then I would, I would go to sleep and that was it. And it was like, at the time I was like, this is probably really bad for me. But looking back, I like, it's kind of nostalgic. I'm like, ah, oh, I remember like the Minecraft, like quarantine days. And it's like, yeah, that was sick. I liked that. Yeah. I think what people are pissed off most about right now is that like, we had that two years ago, that quarantine was two years ago. Um, and now like the weeds are still being like dragged out. Like people like we're basically back to reality, but with extra steps. Right. And people cannot stand that. Like w when you, when you romanticize something like a quarantine and uh, you're like, Oh, that's when it was, but then you drag it out and drag the ex like, you know what I'm saying? Like you drag out the, like the ability to be free and be in, like actually join society again. And it, it becomes this area where it's like, all right, either we're back to reality or we're not. Can we decide already? Cause half the, half, like Canada was like locked down until like now. Yeah. And, and, um, and now, 
I mean, that's why you see the, the whole boil over. Like, I mean, they say it's about the vaccine mandates, and I'm sure it is. But, like, a lot of it's because, like, dude, they want to be normal again. Like, yeah. you can romanticize – we can romanticize it because we look back and it was two years ago. But these – a lot of these people, dude, they – they're living these lives where they're being so told by the government every single thing they have to do. And like, especially as Americans, we cannot see a world where that is the case, you know? And, and so I think, you know, to an extent, that's kind of the political divide right now is half the people want everything to be normal and have the people are like, all right, well, like we also like don't want everyone to die. And so I right. think now that Omicron's basically the number one variant and it's basically killing no one and COVID is just going to keep mutating and mutating to where it's basically a common cold. I think that it should, hopefully Biden comes out in his state of the union address and says, Hey, you know, it's getting better. I think we should start loosening things up and go back to, you know, make the economy better. Right. And hopefully he says that, and I will be extremely happy if he does. But, you know, for places like Canada and, you know, other countries with, you know, socialist leanings, it's, it's hard to see, it's hard to see the freedom at the end of this pandemic. Right. I mean, it, it, it's wild because like, I, I always make a joke whenever like I'm watching TV and a commercial comes on that kind of like references quarantine or like COVID, like my friends hate it, but I'm always like, it's like that. It's like that pandemic that we all went through. You guys remember that? Cause it's like, it's weird. It's like, we all talk about it and we all experienced it, but it was unlike anything any of us had ever experienced our entire lives. Probably the most unique worldwide experience that any of us will have in our lifetimes. And it's like, there's no, there's like no real protocol. There's like nothing, nothing prepared us. And even now I still feel like what just happened? Like, where did those two years go? It's weird. It's weird. We're going to look back when we're like old and be like, holy shit, what a life. What a young, like the one thing that I'm like pissed off about is I got a whole year of football taken away from me and I got like basically my entire college pulled away from me. You know, like I, like normal now, I couldn't, they told us that I couldn't party like at all junior year, like at all. They told us if we partied that we wouldn't be able to play football and that we'd be basically like kicked out, you know? Or no. Say that again. Were you sent home like in March, whatever year that was, March 2020? Yeah. So I was sent home. So my birthday is March 18th, and I was sent home right before that. So right in that mid March area. Um, and we were quarantined until basically through like into summer, and then quarantine like started slowing down. And then I went back for football in August, and football was canceled to the spring. Um, and then we only got to play two games. You know, we usually play 10 and we got to play two. Um, so that sucked, you know, and we played football the entire year to play two games and we couldn't party. We couldn't have fun. We couldn't go to class. We couldn't see people. Right. Yeah. It was shitty. And I think about junior year living in this house and I don't fucking remember a goddamn thing, dude. I swear. Everything blends into like one mega day. Like, I couldn't distinguish any day in April of 2020. Like I just couldn't, they were all exactly the same, but I mean, that was the reality we all dealt with. Right. Yeah. I hope that, I don't know what I hope for the end. I think that, I hope that the end is something akin to the before. And what I mean by that is I hope that people can smile at each other 
at a coffee shop without wearing a mask here in the you know next couple of years. Um, like children, especially, man, that's such a weird one, right? It's such a weird, like you see the the hypocrisy of all these like officials at like the Rams Super Bowl, and they're wearing no masks, and then they're forcing these kids to wear masks at school, and it's like, dude, kids are dying on lay, on lower rates of COVID than they are from the flu and never have we ever masked up kids. And like doctors are coming out and saying that like, you know, kids building like immunity from things is like part of the reason that part of the way you, you build herd immunity. That's such a weird one, man. And I feel like, you know, from a standpoint of me, it's basically like pretty much a progressive, you know, I'm pretty left leaning. I, I, I just think that's so weird. Like kids are like such a weird, like you're disassociating them from like, social ability like what are they going to be like as adults bro if you told them like if you never let them like interact with little like as little kids with like weird world bro weird world yeah and the 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 hypocrisy at the super bowl was was particularly bizarre but it's like it's not like it's hidden information you know it's been like we all saw it and as far as i've seen it's been pretty um universal On, on on every side people have been like that like that is just straight up regular old hypocrisy that we all witnessed that like there are kids in like the schooling system who are like all masked up, which is like, great. You want to keep them safe. Of course. Then like, how can you be there in a crowd of tens of how many people are at the Super Bowl? I don't even know. I don't know who can fit in that stadium. I would guess tens of thousands probably. It's ridiculous. I am, I am not like crazy into football, but I'd be curious to hear your opinion because you play. What did you think about that? Of the masklessness or just of the Super Bowl? Super Bowl. I thought it was a good game, honestly. Um, I, I'm a Vikings fan, Minnesota. Oh, damn, I didn't put up my poster. I was going to put up – oh, honestly, I'll just show you real quick. I have a Minnesota Vikings lava lamp right there. That's awesome. Uh, and, it, and it's purple and it – Okay, back to normal. All right, it's purple and it like it has the lava yellow. Um, That's dope. I like um, that. But so Matthew Stafford played for the Detroit Lions for a long time. Who's like in the division is I wouldn't call them the Vikings rival because they've been dog shit since like ever. Um, but I I've known how good he was for like a long time, and he got so much hate. And so. I was really happy to see him win one. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really hate anybody in it. I thought it was a good game. I thought all around, you know, it, the clear distinction was that Joe Burrow does not have an offensive line blocking for him. Um, so if they rebuild that, they could be dangerous. But, yeah, I think all around it was a good game. Uh, I was hanging out with my, my, uh, my friends. My girlfriend came up because she's actually from Vegas. So it was a fun game. I thought the Super Bowl commercials were trash, dude. I haven't seen a funny Super Bowl commercial in years. Yeah, I I thought the commercials were particularly lame. Because that's, I mean, again, I'm not like a crazy huge football fan, but like I'll always like stick it through for the Super Bowl. Because that's like a fun, it's a fun time just to be with people, especially. I thought the commercials were so lame. I did like the halftime show. I thought that that was pretty cool to to see kind of all those classic uh, faces from hip hop all together. Um, but yeah, I thought the commercials were lame, like really lame. Yeah, and then like you saw the backlash from that Google one where they were like telling basically black people that they couldn't take a photo until now. Did you see that one? No, I don't know what you're talking about. That's insane. bro, bro. They 
Honestly, I might play it for us. I might play it. I'm going to, you can share your screen on this. So I'm thinking I'm going to do that. So basically I'll give you some background. So I like, I thought it was weird when they, when they did it. Right. I thought it was like, I was like, that's weird. But basically Canon and Google, I think basically were like, all right, let me just look it up. It basically, yeah, the backlash was that, yeah, Google Pixel Super Bowl commercial. I'll just, how about I just play it for everybody? Yeah. Um, is this it? Um, hold on real quick. Basically, like, I think this is it. Hold on, let me, let me. Yeah, okay, I'll play this real quick. Let me share screen. Okay. Can you see it? Yeah. All right, I'm going to share computer sound. I rarely do this, so... All right, you can see it? I can see it. All right, cool. People with darker complexions have always struggled with having good lighting. Every single yearbook photo of mine has been terribly shot since I was a kid. I always show up as too dark or shiny. Because if you love me, you love all of me. Everything the light touches, oh, baby, give me light touches, oh, yes, look me in my eyes, takes over my mind, don't you be afraid, no. So I I when I watched that I was like that's a little weird but I didn't really think anything of it but the backlash basically was that they were calling like it was a racist commercial is what I thought I saw everyone was saying and and I was like like I thought about it for a second and I was like yeah that's a weird thing to say that like yeah I mean the the, the- the the all the first photos that they showed were just like horrible quality photographs. I I I completely missed that. I don't even know what to say. That is so strange. That is a very strange commercial. It's one of those weird situations where like too far progressive and wokeness becomes the exact thing it was trying not to be, right? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I saw I like the reason I uh the reason I was like went back and looked at it was because I saw this guy. You know, how some people be like posting shit and it's like just the words and then they'd be like walking or something super fast and like 3x or something. So it was like this guy was like Google uh oh it was like no 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 listen listen you know that one? Yeah yeah, yeah. I know that. Yeah, no 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 no. Listen, listen. It was that that one and it was like Google um Google like uh, executives trying to explain uh, their racist commercial, and I was just like, "Was that commercial racist?" And then I went back and watched. I was like, "Yeah, this is this is weird one." And and I was like, "It's one of the like I said, it's one of those weird circumstances where being extra progressive makes you come off as a racist bigot." Right. That's that is really strange. I don't know how I missed that. When did at like what point in the Super Bowl did that commercial play? 
it was either right before or right after halftime, I believe. You know which commercial I missed? I missed the Uber Eats one where those people were just eating like random, like, because did you see the Uber Eats one? Mm. I'm not going to play this one, but basically there was an Uber Eats commercial and it, the idea was that Uber Eats is now delivering what you need from the store. So it was like paper towels and kitty litter. And there was just a bunch of people eating like candles and kitty litter because they said Uber Eats. So they thought they could eat everything. It was kind of funny, yeah. uh, but I missed that one. And then I watched it and I was like, these commercials are doing being so safe and being so like trying to be quirky that it's just becoming ultra cringy. Right. Like, yeah. Like, I miss the ones where there was a Dodge and a dog. Those commercials were always great. You know what I'm talking about? I do. <laughs> Did you see um, the Coinbase commercial? The one that was just the, um, like the QR code that you could scan? I thought that that was pretty genius, actually. Because, like, we, I was sitting with my brother, and he was like, oh, scan that, scan that. And so I, like, got up, and I scanned it, and then it was like, you're entered to win a million dollars. I was like, that, that is a, that's a very clever commercial idea with such a simple display yeah and it ended when it hit the corner perfectly yeah, which is perfect i love yeah. that yeah dude it's yeah super Bowl was cool i think that they just need to like get over the facts get over themselves and just like make content that the people want um right. you know let people who are actually funny make these commercials or let people who are actually creative make these commercials you don't you know i i get the impression sometimes with like I don't know. You ever view a commercial and you immediately know you're like, this was just written by a group of like 40 year old people in like a break room. Like that's not how kids talk. That's not like, we don't find that funny. That wasn't interesting. And it's like, how do they not have people on their marketing teams of the appropriate age demographic to be like, mm, we don't say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I get the impression a lot of the times that, a lot of what the commercial ideas are are like like a bunch of 40-year-olds sitting in a room bouncing ideas and like like trying to stay as safe as possible, right? Yeah. And, and, and as much young people lingo as they can. <laughs> yeah, it's like the uh, it's yeah, it's it it's like they're just throwing word young word vomit out and seeing what sticks, right? I yeah. think that's a problem with like just like the split between generations right now because like everything is moving online and like baby boomers have no idea what like how to use like there's always been like a split between the generations but it's like dude computers and tiktok and phones are so complex that if you're not staying like relatively like in touch with it it's like you can become like disassociated from reality real fast. Totally. Like the, the divide only gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Cause I, like you said, I, I feel like obviously there's always been generational gaps as far as like new technology is concerned, but we're advancing so, so fast in everything and everything tech and online that like, if you're not trying to keep up, you're just going to be left in the dust, like super fast. I worry that, uh, we're going like towards a place like, do you know anything about China's social credit system? I do. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And like, I'm worried we're headed towards something like that in the, in the free world. Um, it, it seems like it's a lot more, you know, 
not as far-fetched as it once was. Like Europe, like like vaccine passports in all of America seems like super far-fetched. You know, Texas, Tennessee, they would never implement a vaccine passports. A lot of I'm I'm sorry I couldn't hear you. What'd you say? I just said yeah, it would it it would be tough to get like the southern states for sure. Mm-hmm. And so but like Europe basically has like they're having riots right now. No one's talking about it. No one's talking about the insane riots that people are having in Europe about over these vaccine mandates and stuff. Like it's ridiculous and like nobody's talking about it. And like we're talking about Canada because it's our northern border, but like Europe's like just as bad. And you know to an extent, you know, people act like people act like there's not cyber bots from Russia and China really influencing how people interact in like Twitter and stuff. Like that is a fact. Russian yeah. bots and AI intelligence from China and Russia are literally infiltrating American like social media to make people argue about race, sexuality, and gender. Like, yeah, those are problems, but those are problems for intellectuals to disagree about. They're not problems for people on Twitter to have disagreements about. If you're a social scientist and you're talking about gender with another social scientist, you guys have PhDs. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. But now we're in this age where like anybody who has a left thumb can say that, you know, whatever they want about gender or sexuality to anybody, and then they deem it fact. And it's like, dude, you used to have to research shit to be able to just speak your mind. And now it's like, relatively speaking, anybody with two left thumbs, I mean, hopefully no one has two left thumbs, but um, can, you know, they can tweet whatever they want. They can post whatever they want and, and create these vast arguments around just absolute nonsense, really. Yeah, I mean, Twitter's not really the place I go to to get any intelligent thought necessarily. Like I, that, that sounds so pretentious. I obviously don't mean it like that, but like Twitter can be fun, but oh my goodness. Sometimes you just read like the stupidest stuff on Twitter. 100%. And I don't go to Twitter like relatively ever. I post, um, sometimes uh, I clips from the podcast. Um, but no, I think, I think, you know, for everything to go to progress forward, you know, social dissent always has to occur. You know, we, we talk about the civil rights movement of the 60s. We talk about, you know, a lot of things that have happened, you know, for especially race relations in this country. Like, you know, it's it's gotten a lot better, but it's continue. we, we, we got to continue to, you know, strive to be better, you know. Um, but I don't think the way of doing that is by demonizing, like, white people. Like, I, I, I have this disagreement with a lot of people. Cause like, I, I totally understand, like agree. Like I've read enough political things and, 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 and things about like history of America to realize that there was a lot of racism that happened in America, you know, and, and to ignore that is to, is to be willfully blind, I think. But I think that, you know, this new, this new wave of anybody who's not extra woke is a racist is like, or anti-racist. That's what they call it. Anyone who's not an anti-racist is inherently per, um, protecting racism. I think that's a just ignorant statement to make. And I think that all that does is create farther division in a country that wants to be better, you know? Right. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, like I, obviously I have to recognize like my situation. I've been extraordinarily lucky throughout my life to not have to be hyper aware of a lot of issues, like in, both in the U S and worldwide, like borderline sheltered for a lot of my life, which I have to recognize, obviously. But one thing that I think is important to note, like when you're talking with like real people, is that 
most real people that you interact with in your real life are so much more reasonable and like easy to talk to about like social issues than what you will encounter online. Because online is where you get the most aggressive, um, I'd say just the most aggressive opinions without any sort of room for discourse. Mm-hmm. Like, you feel like that's been your experience at all? You know, I, so I go to a liberal arts school, so I will preface that. So a lot of the ideas of, and I'm in the social sciences. So a lot of the ideas of people are extra woke here at Pacific. Um, and so, you know, for, to them speaking, I'm right wing, you know, but I'm not, but like, that's, you know, their take on it. Uh, but I'm like one of those guys who, you know, who leans left and is pretty reasonable about what I think, you know? So my experience has not always been the most fond of, you know, reasonableness. I think there's a lot of radicals that I've, you know, you know, I love that. I love them to death. One of them that comes on my podcast all the time. He's, but he's a radical, radical as they come. He's a revolutionary. He's a Marxist revolutionary as they come. And so, um, you know, I, I like to disagree with everybody. I have never had like a super strong Republican on, and I wish I would. Like someone who just sits here and says like global warming doesn't exist. You know, I've never had that. Um, I would love to, you know, so anyone's listening to this and saying global warming does not exist, sit down with me. Let's have a conversation. But most of what I do is disagree with like, like progressives. And a lot of what we're talking about is, is agree is like, I agree with them, but because I'm a white man and I, I fancy myself as pretty intelligent and I'm very vocalized. I get deemed as the enemy, regardless of my political beliefs, I get lumped in with Joe Rogan. Um, and even to an extent, Joe Rogan is a progressive. And like, so, I mean, he's kind of shifted to the right through this COVID pandemic, but relatively speaking, that guy has no bigotry in his body, you know? And so being lumped in with like racist Republicans because of my skin color kind of just pisses me off, dude. And just like, so I think that's probably because I go to an extremely progressive place and an extremely progressive area. But, you know, I do have to recognize the, the non-rationality of people towards me in the last four years of my education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so do you find that on like, a, a daily basis you're being challenged like in your academics and classes and that kind of thing or or more so whenever you get into a sort of political conversation with someone you are written off it depends because i mean day-to-day basis we all i mean politics classes so a lot of what i say is agreeable you know i'm in a politics of policing class and so a lot of that is about the history of policing um and so it, a lot of the books are inherently like progressive so they have a lot of ideas about racism and i agree with a lot of that so you know that's fine now i'm in a philosophy of law class and one of the things we were arguing about was uh identity politics and i don't agree that often with identity politics because i think you can in my opinion if you if you leave out poor white people like basically is my whole gist if you leave out poor white people who feel disenfranchised January 6th and things like that will continue to occur um, along with like, like I feel like if you want to fix, like if you want to fix like extreme problems like racism and like global warming, you make people rich, not, you know, instead you, you make people have money because the people who are affected by global um, 
global warming policy, like green initiatives are poor people because they don't care about uh, the environment. They just care about where their next meal comes from. And so I think by instilling this idea that you can enfranchise people and make them less poor, I think by doing that, you can inherently fix a lot of the problems. And I don't think by addressing racism first, and then ident- and then like linking the two interconnectedly while there are links to racism and poverty i don't think that's the end all be all and i think if you only franchise minorities and you leave out poor white people you leave out a subsection of the po- a, a large subsection of american pol- population where um you you're going to stir up the hatred even more than you want to and you're going to make them feel like the only crime i committed was my the color of my skin and inherently you're being racist all over again. I, I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. Um, it, it, it's interesting with you bringing up like climate change policy. What's fascinating, what's extremely frustrating to me is that like the, the burden being put on the average person to fix the mistakes of like extraordinarily large corporations, because like, let's be real if all of us like recycled and rode our bikes, we could, we could help make a little change. We could help stop a lot of like the, the, the productions of, of harmful fossil fuel gases into the atmosphere, but we're going to need those like top 100 companies that are doing like 98% of it to stop first, which it's crazy that the, the, the way it's presented, the politics of it are to put it on the average person when it is so very much not. Uh, I, I'm sure you've heard a lot about how Marxism is the, the almost most evil ideology of all time, right? You probably heard that at some point in your life. Yeah, but I, I don't feel that way. Do you feel that way? Uh, I used to, however, I did my, a 30 page, 30 plus page senior thesis project on the continuity and discontinuity of the Soviet Lenin's ideology, Soviet, Soviet Union, Soviet Union's ideology, Marxism, Leninism, and classical Marxism, which was written by Karl Marx. So I, I really studied Lenin and Marx, like really studied them. And so one of the things I'll, no, I don't feel that way anymore. But and I actually think Marx had a lot of good ideas. I think he was inherently wrong about a lot of things, though. And I don't think any political idea, ideology, or any political affiliate has can be perfect, you know, um, or even good in that sense. So there's a lot of problems with it. But what I was going to say was one of the things Marx said that I really agree with. One of his most famous quotes, and I'm going to butcher it, but he basically said that once every few years, the oppressed are allowed the opportunity to elect their next oppressor, basically around the gist. Um, And the way he thought they would do this was by instilling this, what they call, he called a false consciousness, which is basically making people fight about ideology, make people have the ideology that just basically keeps the bourgeoisie, which is the capitalist, um, powerful. And 100% politicians are all greedy bastards and they all are they 100% all they all um, instill the wishes of the capitalists because if you look at all the corporations that fund campaigns and give them millions of dollars it's not poor people it's not average person it's these large rich people and these large rich corporations and so people and he Marx also called uh, 
the government, the managing committee of the bourgeoisie or the managing committee of the capitalists. And I think that is the most greatest quote about capitalism. I think that, I think that all government officials in today's day specifically, I don't think they were all like this in America, but I think specifically today in modern capitalism, all Biden, Trump, Bush, even Obama to an extent, like I think all these people are, are just managers of the capitalists and what, how they do it is they make, they make the disenfranchised people. So if you're a Republican, poor white people, if you're a Democrat minorities, you make them feel like you're going to save them. And then you come in and you just fuck them. You just fuck right. them. hundred percent. hundred percent. Which is, uh, that's another thing. I mean, you, you probably at this point would know better than me doing all of your specific research about Marx and, and, and Lenin is that like Marx was a philosopher and his ideas were about like, utopia basically like how we could possibly achieve a, a, a better sense of resource sharing and like social uh like stature which has just been completely like butchered by i mean re- really I, I would say like stalinist russia was the most evil example of like taking marxism and pulling it through lenin and then having like the failed USSR state. And I think that's the problem is when you try to talk to people about like, oh, Marx had some, some good ideas. People are immediately like, well, then why did the USSR fail? And it's like, because they weren't really doing Marx's ideas well. Like it wasn't, it's not, it wasn't a perfect transference of ideas. You know what I mean? No, 100%. I think the danger lies more when you say, when like, so there, my professor had this quote and he said, um, blaming Marx for um, the Soviet Union is like blaming Jesus for the Crusades. Right. Um, <laughs> but I, my comment back to that was, yeah, but Marx totally was okay with killing dissenters and violence. Like he, Marx, another Here's another Marx quote. Violence is the midwife to every new society. That's what he would say. And, and he was really okay with killing dissenters in the, in the act of um, uh, building an, a greater society. And actually, I was just talking to my philosophy law professor about this. So there's some research I need to do in a little bit. And he was talking about the two different types of revolutionary violence. So I need to do some more research. But I think it's dangerous when you akin that Marx was like a good guy. I don't think he was necessarily – yeah. You, he wasn't. That's that's uh, if if you go to that extreme, like you said, it it forgives a lot of like the kind of truly horrible things he said. I just think it's oftentimes very unfair to treat like Marx and like Joseph Stalin as like compatriots, and it's like they weren't even doing the same things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I. What Marxism, like reading it and learning it really extensively has just taught me was that like I hate capitalism just as much as I hate communism. And like now I'm sitting here and like I'm not smart enough to think about the, the political ideology that saves the world. And I, it sure as hell ain't um, anyone that's already existing. So all I know is I hate capitalism because everybody's greedy and everybody just tries to indoctrinate and we see that in america and i hate communism because they just kill people dude they literally just kill people um like and we're just literally ignoring right now socialist china killing muslims like we're literally just ignoring it yeah 100 percent. what's the what's that quote i'm gonna butcher a quote now about like capitalism is the worst 
best uh, like system we have. Like mm-hmm. it, it's the worst. It's terrible, but it's the best of all the terrible systems we have because to shift to anything else at this point would be like, I don't want to say impossible, but to, to have to undo all of the infrastructure that we've had for like as long as we've had would kind of be impossible, unfortunately. Yeah, um, Aristotle and Plato both thought that democracy in and of itself were the best systems because they were the least worst at right. the fallouts. Like because they turned they they turned bad, they were the least worst when it turns bad. Then they were the most reasonable. Like Aristotle thought that a just they both thought a just philosopher king. Um, monarch basically is the best system. If you have a if you have a Jesus basically as your leader, that's the best system because then everything right. will be instilled perfectly. Democracy is the best because it it doesn't allow for change that often, and so you can't make things a lot worse really fast. Right, and then incremental. Say that one more time. Like everything's incremental, so you can't get super bad before you could realize that bad things are happening. Yeah, and so reading all these philosophers, all I think is just like, we've been fucked since the start. My, the philosopher in me, in me makes me think, like, literally we were plopped on this earth, given brains to think and reason, and then told to figure it out, and it was never possible. Right, yeah. Sometimes it, and that's like, it goes back to whenever you think about something for too long, it becomes completely unmanageable and like, extraordinarily overwhelming and that's just everything if you if you try to think about like i i don't know existing in this world as we are now it's it's insane it is so incredibly overwhelming dude i i literally lay in bed like at night just like just fucking like thinking sweet i know a lot of people do this but like when you like specifically are taught how to philosophize, I would honestly tell everybody that they should do it because they teach you how to critically think. But also like if you already think too much, don't because I literally lay in bed thinking about ideas like this all the time. And then I just like the only thing philosophy really does is teaches you that you know nothing. So you like think about something for too long and then you come back to the realization that you'll never know anything and all you know is you're going to die. And then you're just like, boom. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And so did you say that you're, do you have like a, a minor in philosophy or just philosophy comes with, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So I, I'm literally like one credit away, one class away from being a double major. Really? Yeah. Was so that the plan for you to do that or no? No, I'm literally in the classes I'm going to be in and graduate and I'm going to walk in like three months. So I'm not dealing with it. No, that's fair. No, no reason to delay yourself another semester for that. It's just a piece of paper. Yeah, and the piece of paper that's really going to matter is my JD, which is my Juris Doctor, which is my law degree. Like, that's the only thing that matters. Like, undergrad is just to get into law school. Yeah, no, 100%. So what's the, what's the process like that for you to then go to law school from, like, graduate in three months and then what happens? So right now I'm just – I'm taking my LSAT. So priority deadlines – I mean, I say these are deadlines for people who don't do as much shit as I do, uh, are due March, uh, but they, they accept up until like June. So I'm taking my LSAT in March when the priority deadlines are due. Um, and then when, if I get a good score, I will 
submit my applications and hopefully because I'll be on the wait list, whatever it's called, but I'll still be looked at. And so if I get into the schools that I'm looking at, the three I'm looking at right now are UW, UT Austin and Boyd in Las Vegas. Um, if I get into those, any of those schools with a decent amount of scholarship or money, I'm going to go. Um, if I don't, uh, if I don't get a great score and I, I submit my applications, I don't get in or I don't get that good of a score. I'll just take a gap year and really study. And then, cause I have a three, seven. And if I get anything like a one sixty, dude, like I'm golden. Uh, let's say I get like a one fifty two, and I'm like, fuck, I wasn't really feeling it that day. I wasn't really in my head. I was in my head too much. Cause it's online too. It's not written anymore. So I was like, ah, I didn't really, it's kind of different. Then I'll be like, all right, I'll take some time off or maybe I'll take it again in May. And if I get a better, you know, I'll, I'll do that. But I think right now it's get the best score possible. Um, get out of this fucking undergrad and go to law school and keep trekking along. I mean, that's dope. I, I got, um, right after undergrad, I got my master's. Um, but like kind of by accident, like <laughs> I, I had checked the box my freshman year to be like, consider me for this master's program. And then in like my junior year of college, they were like, by the way, you got in. And I was like, shoot, I should probably do that. Yeah. And so, but like, I mean, I, I don't think I can go back to school at this point. It's like, once you're in it, you're in it. Right. And you keep doing it. And like, you're going to study and you're going to go to law school and you're going to be in it. But I feel like the moment we leave, it's like, I could never do that ever again. The good thing about if I did take a gap year though, is I would be working at a law firm. And I think just the incentive of that would, you know, make me so go, but I totally feel you. That's why Mike, my, like basically my mentor, he's the the lawyer I've been working for. Um, he's like, just fucking go, bro. Just go. Don't take a gap year. Just go. He's like, as soon as you give that option of not going, bro, you're not going to go. Right. Yeah. It's, it's tough because you even like look at any, part of your life where you were like consistently doing something like I don't think I could do high school again I don't think I could wake up at seven every day and stay in the building until 4 p.m and then go to like soccer practice afterward like I I couldn't do that but I did it every day for four years like how (laughs) so in 2022 what's on deck for you what are some big plans you can talk about on that you're gonna be doing uh well I'm trying to like really move towards putting a lot of effort into the content that I'm making because I mean, I, I do like, if you've seen my stuff at all, you know that I like Mm -hmm. put effort into editing and like make sure I'm making interesting content. Um, but I definitely want to move more towards like a really consistent format that people can rely on. Um, and I'm also trying to like actually release all the music that I've been writing over the years, because like, if you write any music ever, you know, your computer just fills up with all of these songs that are like a hundred percent finished and then you close your laptop and it, they collect dust. And so it's like, that's part of my 2022 is to release all this music, put links in my bios and like talk about it on TikTok and like get people to listen to the stuff that I put effort into. No, yeah, dude, totally. I have like 30 songs on my laptop that I'll probably never release. Right. I think about that all the time. Like my friend, my friend, his name is, I don't know if you've ever seen him on TikTok, but his name's Avion. He makes music. He, um, pretty big on tiktok and he's got just under a million followers um he always tells me he's like bro you're so good like you're just wasting your talent and i'm like yeah but like i don't want that for my life dude like i don't like i, I posted a couple songs and just because like why not and i think i'm gonna post an album here in a little bit um just because for sheds and giggles you know um but 
I don't, I'm not, I don't see myself as a musician. Like it's not the, the thing that craves me, you know, it's not the thing that like, I, I pull to, you know? And so like, for me, if I can just have fun with it, like, cause that, if I, if we're talking about priorities, dude, music is like down here, you know? So I think, you know, if you have that, you know, pull for music, I think do whatever the fuck you can to get that shit out there, man. Right. hundred percent. And I, I mean, I would even say to you, even if it's like low priority, if you can just find a way to just like get it out there, like, even if you just have to like push it out into the public and be like, I don't care what happens. I'd say go for it because if, if you're good at what you do, people might resonate with it. And that's a very cool feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's dude, honestly, all that this podcast has taught me is like one, I can do whatever the hell I want in this life. If I work hard, I can do whatever I want really. Like, and two, it's like, I, when I see other people have talent for something, like especially that I'm close with, I just like want them to do it. Like I'll give you like an example. My, my, my brother, he, he's so good at video games. Like, so good. And he's funny. And I'm like, bro, just stream. He's like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm like, just stream, bro. Just do it. Like, you already played video games. Just do it. And he's like, no. And I'd be like, I'd be trying to edge him to do it. And like, my other friend was just jacked, bro. And he knows all this shit about fitness. I'm like, bro, start a fitness page. Like, why not? And like, yeah. it, it just makes me want, because it's, it's easy dude, to start. Anything is just starting is the hardest part. You right. know, after that, it becomes routine. Right. Well, it's kind of funny. We're talking about like, if you think too long about like living, you get like crazy overwhelmed, but you're right. Take that and then just do whatever you want because you have all these outlets. We live in a, a very unique time where like, if you want to make a podcast, make a podcast, you want to release music, release music. So just go for it. If you've got the, the talents and the abilities, or even if you don't just do it because you can hundred percent. It's a fear of failure, bro. They're afraid to, people are afraid to get mocked by their peers and people are afraid to uh, fail, right? Like, dude, I was like, like for a long time, I would get like two views, bro, on, on my podcast, right? And like once it started hitting the hundreds, I was like, oh, okay. And then once it started hitting like thousands of views, I was like, oh, you know, like it's a good feeling. And like, but like for a long time, I had nothing. I had nobody. And to this day, to this day, people that I know taught, they come up to me and they like, oh, dude, you're so dope. But they won't like my stuff. They won't post my stuff. They won't, they won't support me. So it's like, you got to be okay with letting people like burn off of you like Deadwood. You got to be okay with failing. You got to be okay. Like, if you want to do it, just fucking do it, bro. I hate, I hate like everyone getting so afraid of like, like the other side, you know, it's like the, all the other side is, is, everything you can imagine right exactly like i i understand feel of fear of failure like 100 percent. but at the end of the day it's so like you can't think about all of the things that could go wrong on the other side because it's truly infinite and if everyone did that no one would ever make anything or do anything interesting because you would just think about all of the things that could go wrong or all the ways that you could get made fun of so just, just like do it anyway. It's like kind of my, my thought process. It's so much easier to do it if you like just kind of ignore the fact that there's a billion ways that it could go wrong. So kind of just do it in ignorance, I guess. Just like release music and think like maybe no one will listen to it and no one will make fun of me and it's cool and I just want to release it. Which maybe is a bad attitude, but that's kind of the way I feel. <laughs> I think 
another way to look at it too is always like embrace that it's going to fail, right? Like like you gonna say like, oh, no one's gonna listen to it. Like, yeah, maybe no one listens to it. Maybe I get three listeners, you know, or set small goals, you know, be like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna tank hard and that's okay. I am doing it because I love it. I think once you start setting expectations, um, that's when you um that's when you, you really lose. I told myself when I first started this that as soon as I start caring about uh, what like the the people watching this um, instead of like the engaging conversations and like ha- me sharing a cool conversation with the world and instead of when I start caring about the numbers more than I care about like the interaction I'm quitting I will not never do it again and I'll be done because that will mean that that negative energy has to come into my being and it's time for me to just fucking let it go Right. No, a hundred percent. Cause like we said at the beginning, the point of this is to have interesting conversation and the fact that other people get to come and consume it is very cool, but it shouldn't be the reason you do it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. obviously part of it is part of it is to uh, allow people into like this small part of your world. But if, if you were getting a million views and you and I were talking about absolutely nothing and it wasn't interesting at all, it's kind of soul sucking. I feel like there's a lot of podcasts that are like that. There's yeah, just, that's true. Like that's the, true. the Obama and Michelle Obama podcast is lame as fuck, dude. I haven't heard it. Is it lame? It's just like super like safe, you know? Like the reason podcasts are like cool is because it's like free, you know? It's right. whatever the hell you want to talk about. Well, at least I always tell people before I get into this, I always tell people like, they was like, Oh yeah. Like I, when I'm telling people to like start stuff, I always tell people to start stuff. Um, Cause I think the more positive stuff we put out, the better, like, like the world will be. Um, and they always like talk to me and I'm like, dude, what I do is so lame compared to what you guys can do. Like I just piggyback off of guests really like, like all, all people don't come back. Like maybe a couple of people come back because I can keep a conversation engaging, but like, most people are here because I'm having dope dupe people on, you know? And so like what, and so I always say that I was like, what I get to do is easy com- compared to like actually content creating and c- compared to like actually like um, creating this insane art form. And so like, but the one thing that I do get to have is like be free and talk my mind to people who are interesting like me. And like when you have something like that podcast, the Michelle um, um, President Obama podcast, where it's just like akin to the super safe world. It's like who listens to this nonsense, bro? Right. right. It's it's not like it's not escapist at all. Like anyone can sit down and have like a very nice, pleasant conversation with anyone else. Everyone can do that. So if that's going to be the podcast, it's like, then why wouldn't I just go and like hang out with like an acquaintance of mine and have a nice conversation? <laughs> Dude, there's a lot of those podcasts too. It's like people like talking to their friends and most of them learn that you have to talk about like real pressing stuff. Like you got to talk about like shit that like, like, like porn addiction. If you want to get people like keep watching, you know, um, what do you think you personally you've learned the most since you started creating content? Um, that's a really good question. I, you know what, honestly, I would say it's that no matter how well you're doing, I think I'm always willing to put down what I'm doing in lieu of 
what somebody else is doing, which is actually, it's interesting that you were saying, like when you were talking to your friends, you were like, oh, what I do is whatever. But it's like, I think that's the tendency, right? Like at this point, like I've got like 250,000 followers on TikTok and like my friends would be like, that's amazing. And it's like, no, nah, that's not amazing. You're going to med school. That's amazing. Or they'll be like, this video was awesome. Like you got a million views. Like that's super cool. And I'm like, nah, that's whatever. It's just like a million random people. You wrote the song that's in that short film that's winning an award next week. That's really cool. Like, I think it's, it's just innate. And, and this is something I guess I wouldn't have realized if I hadn't like started making content on like a larger scale is that no matter how well you're doing really, I think there's just kind of this tendency to like self-doubt it a little bit, which I didn't think I would have thought myself very confident because I think I'm good at this stuff. But when it comes down to it, it's like, I think my tendency is just to, to downplay what I've done. Like, do you, do you feel like do you feel the same for you or not so much? Well, I also feel like what you do is way cooler than what I do. I think, yes, so that's, yes. That's the tendency, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm good at this. I, I hope you think the same. I think I'm good at keeping a conversation going. I think it's interesting. I don't think that I would ever allow for a podcast to be boring. Um, but I do resonate with what you're saying because I think, you know, what, it's what do you value in life? You know, I value hard work, dedication, and, and success off that hard work and dedication. I value, I think the coolest thing that I've ever done or one of the coolest things that I've done in the last, um, like, few months wasn't getting second team all conference. Like, that was dope. And it wasn't uh, doing, like, reaching these numbers I'm getting on my podcast. It was the fact that I lost 33 pounds when I wanted to. And oh, wow. Still- yeah. So like, I, it's, what do you value? Right. And, and so I think I value family, friendship, um, love and, and, and conscientiousness are like hard work. And, and right. so it's what you value. It's what are your five virtues in life? I think if one of them is being successful and you see the numbers, then you can feel like that success, but only if you work hard, if you are becoming successful and you don't work hard, I think you could still have that, um, it's easy for you to be like, this is so like, why do I have to do this? You know, or if you don't love it, uh, that's my biggest fear is, is, is doing something where I'm good at it and I'm successful at it, but I fucking hate it, dude. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. That's, that's totally real. Um, and even like, this is only kind of related to that, I guess, but something that fascinates me with people who want the numbers and to the, the positive reception and the followers but for just kind of like random crap, I guess, like you'll see on TikTok, people will be like, oh, that one time I went viral for, the, for this and now I'm famous. And it's like, yeah, you got like 10,000 followers, but for what? You don't love what you're doing. You don't even have like a thing that you're doing. You had a funny video, which is great. But what's the point of the numbers and the followers if you're not like putting effort into a type of content, I guess? That's kind of how I feel about the TikTok actors, dude. I mean, I don't want to hit on anybody's grind, but those people who are like, I want to be in movies. It's like, well, this is like maybe if you're like Addison Ray or one of like those, like I don't know any of the – what's that guy's name that's like super famous? Blake? Bryce? Bryce. Oh, uh, yeah, Bryce. Bryce Hall. That's what right, it is. Right, yeah. That guy. If you're those guys, yeah. Sure, you can be in movies. Jake Paul? Sure, you can get beat up by – you can be, beat people up. But unless you're those people, like – the way you get into movies is going to acting school and to like right. make connections in the acting world. It's not doing TikTok. 
Like yeah. maybe you can be in some weak ass short film or something like that. But like, dude, like I'm telling you, if you like, it's it's what you value. And if you actually value that, or do you value like Instagram fame? Because right. like, what does it become? Like, are you are you acting? Are you doing this? Because a lot of it's not even really acting. It's just some lip syncing like wide to like things. And I'm just like, yeah. dude, like that's not acting. Acting is like using your like Leonardo DiCaprio. That's an actor, dude. That guy. Did you see? Don't look up. What's up? No, but I've been meaning to. It looks like it would be hilarious. And yeah. Very- yeah, it was good. But like, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil anything. But in one scene, he like has this like fucking like insane like freak out scene kind of. Um, and when you watch it, you watch that and you're like, that is a guy who is acting. That guy took on the role and he, he made you believe him. That's acting. Lip syncing and, and another thing is just like, a lot of the shit that people blow up for is just girls like looking hot. And it's yeah. like, like someone just pointing up at like somebody else's content. Yeah. <laughs> Some of those guys, if you watch their faces, it looks so weird. Like that guy who like, they're like robots. I'm like, are these real yeah, people? I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I, you're saying, like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to hate on anyone's hustle, I guess, like the, the TikTok actors and stuff. But you're right. It's hard to believe that what they really want to do is go and act in a movie when it's like, that's not really what you're prepping yourself for. Like what you're doing right now is going to get you likes and follows, which if that's what you're going for, good for you. But if your true passion is to be in a movie, you can't look at people like Addison Ray or, or Bryce Hall because they're going to be in movies because they're so famous, not because they got an acting gig by showing their acting chops in a TikTok, like go and like pursue the thing that you want to pursue if that's your intention i couldn't imagine being an actor dude like that world is so fake bro and just so lame like like look what the rock did he came out and supported joe rogan for like the whole um like covid misinformation and then he was like i didn't know that he has said the n-word four times and now i hate him it's like you did that because some guy came in. Well, you don't want to be attacked by the same people that are attacking him. It's PR people. That, that's the tricky part is that at this point, it's very difficult to know people's true opinions and intentions because at the end of the day, like people like The Rock, he is a business. Like, and that's how he has to be managed. So who knows what he's actually like? Because we're certainly not getting The Rock through like his Twitter and Instagram. Like we're just not. One guy that I would say is that he is that guy and you're not going to get anything that's not him is Keanu Reeves, dude. Oh, I freaking love Keanu Reeves. That dude's giving seats up. He's just a good dude. He's sweet. And he doesn't have any social media, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think he does, yeah. I, I, I've not met a single person who did not like Keanu Reeves. Like, If you don't, it's because you don't like his movies, which is like, I guess, right. a fair critique. But it's like, you're weird, bro. Right. No, he's the best. <laughs> well, man, this was fun. Thanks for coming on the podcast, dude. Yeah, totally. This was awesome. Yeah, man. Is there anything you want to say to me or the listeners before we wrap this thing up? I mean, to you, I just like major props because I think that you do a really good job with this. And I, and I know that you were saying like, oh, no, what I do is whatever. But the fact is, is that this does take a certain personality and a certain skill set to do well and you're doing it well so like kudos to you for real 
Thanks, man. You as well, dude. I think, you know, push that music out, bro. I think you're going to be really happy to see the results you get. I think, you know, what you're doing is awesome. I like everything you're doing with your TikTok, but if you can continue to, you know, branch out and think of new creative ideas that you could add to that, I think it's only going to up from there, you know? Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you very much. Episode number 94 with Matthias Morte. What an awesome dude. Make sure you subscribe to him on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and more. Stay up to date with that guy's music because I know it's going to be awesome. He's an awesome dude. I hope he continues to spiral upward um, as I think he's going to. Um, as always, ladies and gentlemen, follow me on my streaming platforms at Colin Man's Answers to stay up to date with the show. As well as following me on my social media at Colin Weirs and at Colin Demands. Um, I post a bunch of clips on my YouTube shorts and Instagram reels mainly, but I also do post on TikTok. So if you want to follow me at Colin Demands Answers on TikTok, you can do that. As always, ladies and gentlemen, have a great rest of your weekend and stay demanding.